Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi there, I'm Lauren McGoodwin. Welcome to another bonus episode of The Females, a podcast from Career Contessa that delivers helpful, actionable career tips and advice for women so you can be more fulfilled, healthy, and successful at work. To bring you extra support while we navigate work and life during COVID-19, I've got another bonus episode prepared for you. Today, we're discussing how to write the perfect pitch for anything in your life. One of the most popular resources on Career Contessa are our downloadable email templates. And since we know how important pitching is as a skill, we decided we really needed to just make an entire episode dedicated to the art of writing a successful email pitch with templates included as examples. To help, we've invited Maricel Salazar on the show to give you inside advice on what makes an eye-catching pitch directly from someone whose entire professional life is pitching and being pitched to because she's a food writer and host. You can only imagine how many pitches she gets. Plus, Maricel's career began with one attention-grabbing pitch, a story she shares later on in the show. Stick around to the very end because Maricel is also giving away a 30-minute personal pitch session with her to one lucky winner. That means that she will personally edit, help write, and even review the winner's pitch. So you definitely want to know how you can enter to win that amazing giveaway from Maricel. And now, this is The Females. Hi, Maricel. Welcome to The Females. Hi, Lauren. It's so good to be here. Thanks so much for having me. So can you give us a brief background on you and your career, plus really how you became an expert in the art of the email pitch? Oh, absolutely. So I'm Marisol Salazar. I am a columnist and writer for The Michelin Guide, as well as other publications like Vine Pair, Thrillist, The Food Columnist at Pure Wow. And I'm also the host of a couple of shows, which I hope you guys check out. It's United States of Spirits on the Spirits Network and Driven to Dine on MSG Network. The art of the pitch and how I became, you know, I hope I can say, you know, really, really good at it started years ago, actually back when I was in college. It was, um, I went to Cornell University and it was one really snowy night and I was debating about, okay, I want to become a food writer, but I don't know quite how to do it. And I decided, you know what, I'm just going to ask the biggest food critic that I knew at the time. And his name was Todd Kleiman, and he was the chief food critic for the Washingtonian. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to just reach out to Todd Kleiman and ask him if he'll give me advice. And I guess it was perhaps very daring. You know, here I was a college senior reaching out to this, you know, very notable food critic from the Washingtonian. But 
I did a deep dive on the internet and I somehow managed to get his assistant's name and email address. It took me like an hour to find her email. And I reached out to her in an email and, you know, my subject line was like, quick chat with Todd Kleiman, question mark. And I wrote out this email, you know, basically asking, hey, I'm a college senior at Cornell University. I love Mr. Kleiman's work in the Washingtonian. Do you think you'd have time to talk with somebody about starting off as a food writer? Because this is, seems to be a very unattainable career. And I sent it, Lauren, and I thought, I'm never going to hear from this guy. Like, what's this big food, food critic going to do talking to a college senior like myself? Within 30 minutes, I got a call from his assistant saying, Mr. Kleiman's going to speak with you in a couple of minutes. He hopped on the phone. I couldn't believe it. I think I was in shock. I think I told him, <laughs> I can't believe you're on the phone with me. Like almost daring him to like, you know, like the unasked question was like, don't you have better things to do? And you know what? It was really one of the most pivotal conversations of my life because it really gave me the gusto to become a food writer because, you know, he was really impressed by my outreach and the fact that I had super sleuthed my way into finding his assistant's email address. And he told me, you know what, Marisol? Anything that you love in life, especially becoming a food writer, you have to ask yourself this. What do you do when what you love doesn't love you back? You do it anyway. Yeah. (laughs) You do it anyways. And you know what? I've taken that advice with me forever. And what really got me to perfect the art of the pitch was actually not when I became a food writer, but it was my first real job, so to speak, out of college. I was working for a consultant management firm. Uh, right outside of Washington, D.C. And in my line of work at the time, I had to call these C-level executives of Fortune 500 companies and convince them to take a meeting to discuss the demo of this thought leadership product with my sales executive. Lauren, on the first day of my first job (laughs) out of college, I was tasked to call the CFO of Coca-Cola North America and convince him to take a meeting with my sales executive. And it was my first call and it was nerve wracking because I was also having other colleagues on my team listen in on the call to see how I did it. And before I actually hopped on the phone with him, I decided, you know what, let me do a little bit of research on this guy. And it was that research portion that also enabled me to, you know, when he picked up the phone for him to take that email with me, because I found through his LinkedIn or something, just one similar nugget, something that just gave my intro a little bit of personality and flair. I picked up the phone. I was so nervous. I think my voice was shaking. And you know, he ended up taking the meeting with me because he was like, oh, wow, you really did your research onto X, Y, and Z. And that's when I came to realize, you know, the art of pitching somebody and writing an email pitch, whether it's, you know, you're interested about a job at a company or a lateral move within your department or, you know, to a different section of your company. Even if it's getting a coffee meeting with an industry muse or someone you'd really like to talk to to pick their brain, is you have to start doing your research beforehand. And that's something that in a corporate setting, I learned how to do every single day because you really do have to try to see what catches people's eyes. And over the years, you know, and this took me beyond the corporate setting because it's very valuable there. And a lot of, a lot of people, you know, work you know, traditional jobs, but especially with the rise of the gig economy and a lot of freelance and side hustles, you know, pitching yourself is going to be a daily task, you know, and it's not just pitching yourself for, you know, oh, I want to get, you know, this new job. It's okay. Maybe I'm interested in starting my own company and I want to talk to an investor or I want to talk to somebody that's 
done it before. But wow, what's it going to take for them to talk to me? Right. I mean, I think it's interesting because it all falls into the category of being a pitch, but you're right. A pitch could be for a sales call, you know, the product you're selling for the company you work for, your own company. It could be for a job. It could be for an informational interview. I, at the end of the day, a pitch is just like a big broad term for basically asking for anything that you want in life. And I think that's really, really important. And I also feel like you're right. There are so many people who don't put in the extra effort to write a really good pitch. And so actually the the difference between a bad pitch and a really good pitch is not, it's not a ton, but it makes a huge difference, right? So like a little effort goes a long, long way. Absolutely. You know, one of the biggest pieces that will definitely make you stand out when you're making your pitches or your asks or, you know, favors is the reader is going to want to know, did you do your research? Yeah. Like, what, what is it about me that made you want to reach out to me? What's unique about, you know, your request? You know, and it, it's honestly flattery. People like to see that you've taken a little bit of that extra effort to get to know them, that you're just not, you know, it's not just taking, you're also giving something right. to this as well. Well, okay. So we're going to discuss your eight tips for how to write the perfect pitch for anything in your life. And I just want to kind of preface this to everybody that, you know, right now, especially while we're in, I don't even know what week we're in anymore with (laughs) coronavirus life. But the point being is that these are really important tips, whether you are job searching, you've been laid off, or you are still in a job and you're trying to figure out how you can continue to grow your career. Because I think that's another thing that people are thinking about right now, which is I'm still employed, but I feel like my whole life is on hold. But you know, a pitch could be something that you, again, you use for networking, for other career opportunities, or even how are you going to be more unique in the job that you have? So, all right, we know why the pitch matters. We know what a pitch is. And we also know right. that we want to be better at it. So let's get into your eight tips for how to write the perfect pitch. And number one, you already kind of mentioned it, but it's do your research. Can you talk a little bit specifically more about that? Absolutely. Your research is your golden nugget. You really want your recipient of your email to immediately say, wow, this person took the time to get to know about me. You know, and this could even be as easy as, okay, you know what? I'm going to hop onto social media, which is a great tool to utilize when you're trying to learn more about the object of your desire. You know what? I'm going to hop onto social media and see what I can learn about this person. You know, for example, that you, Lauren, have a brand new book that's coming out, which congratulations, you know, Lauren's coming out with a new book. You know, it's called Power Moves. She's super excited about it. You know, let me congratulate that and reference that in my email or, you know, one of the food editors that I reached out to. She's fantastic. Named Jamila Robinson. Well, I hopped on, you know, I had, I had this question. I really wanted to ask her about a specific pitch, you know, and I hopped onto her Twitter and I saw she's this incredible figure skater. And, you know, she absolutely loves to skate. You know, let me reference that in the email. You know, it's something that shows that you've gone the extra mile to really get to know them. So Twitter, social media, you know, Instagram, LinkedIn, it really does help. Make sure that you are caught up on their most recent work. Yeah. Hey, let me reference this article. Because again, you also, you don't want to make it feel like, okay, you're just one in a list of 10 that I'm trying to reach out to. And granted, that might be true. Maybe, maybe they are, you know, one of 10 people that you could potentially speak to about a subject, but you want to make them feel like they're the only person in the world potentially that, you know, could answer your specific question. And it's similar to, you know, when you're up for a job, 
at a new company, you do your research on that job. Take the time to learn about, you know, oh, okay, is this a workplace I really want to go to? Let me do my background digging. Mm-hmm. So this, this before you even write the pitch might actually take up the bulk of your time. The research portion is going to be like 70% of writing the pitch. So you haven't even written yet. And, you know, this is the majority of your time. Right. And the places to look are social media. So Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, maybe they're active on Facebook. I also think you could put the person's name into Google. And then when you hit search, click on news and any news mentions of them recently will show up as well. So those are all good places. Number two on your list is craft a catchy subject line. People ask us this all the time. Like, what should I put my subject line? So what do you put in your subject lines? I like to think of my subject lines as like mini emails in and of themselves. So for example, if I only have the subject line to construe what I'm trying to say, how am I going to say that? You know, so for example, I always like to think of, okay, let me hit these three talking points. Who the person is that I'm trying to reach out to, my name and my role, and what is my purpose? And you're thinking, how can I fit those three pieces of information into a single subject line. It's a lot, but you know what? You can do it. So I'm going to give you guys a little example, which is something that I actually pitched to Lauren because I was really excited to talk about this idea. And if you don't mind, Lauren, I'm going to share with our Yes, of course. Okay, great. So, you know, this will be in the show notes too. We have a couple of templates as Lauren mentioned. So I think, you know, if you guys don't remember it exactly, they'll be down here for you. So I started with her handle at Career Contessa. I said, at Career Contenta Females Podcast, which is, okay, it's the brand that I want to talk to, it's the person that I want to talk to, dash colonist slash host Miracle Salazar, who I am and identifying my role on how to write the perfect pitch for everything in your life. And you know what? I guess it worked because here yeah. we are. <laughs> and, and you want to know why I think it worked for me and, and as someone who gets a lot of pitches, the big one was how to write the perfect pitch for everything in your life. It's like the hook was right there in the subject line. So mm-hmm. I also agree being more specific in your subject line. It's obviously, you know, grabbed my attention more than at the female's pitch. You know what I mean? It, it like, and we get pitched so many times where people will say, you know, females podcast guests that's so vague that it's so easy to maybe either not read those or forget to get to them. But when you see pitch for anything, you know, the catch for me was, was your specific title. Exactly. And, you know, as someone who receives a ton of food pitches and travel pitches from publicists, the more specific that you can get in the subject line, the better. Because again, you don't want it to feel like a blanket statement because if I, if I also received, you know, and I'll give you an example of a bad pitch that I received that immediately made my eyes glaze over was accepting pitches on ice cream and wine question mark. And I was like, what? It's so vague. It's so broad. And it's clear to me, even from the subject line that the sender just did not take the time to look at what I was actually focusing and running on right now. They were just point blank asking me like, hey, are you accepting pitches on this question mark? And Mm -hmm. like ice cream and wine, like, yes, I do cover wine. And yes, I've covered ice cream, but it's not what I'm covering right now. What subject line would you use? Let's give them two examples. One is you're applying to be, I don't know, a management consultant. So it's for a job offer or you're you're reaching out to somebody with your resume. And then what subject line would you give if you wanted to have an informational interview with, I don't know, let's just pretend somebody who works in a corporate setting. I love these because these are so applicable. It's applicable to everybody. And I remember I was reaching out to so many people back when I was applying for my first jobs out of college. And 
one of the best ones that I suggest that folks use is I call it my job inquiry headline or subject line. The breakdown format goes like this, the company name plus the position that you're interested in dash your name. So for example, let's say that you guys are really excited to apply to a career contessa opening. So it would go something like career contessa, associate analyst position, dash Lauren Goodwin. Assuming that your name is also Lauren Goodwin, but you would put in your name. Mm-hmm. You can clearly state exactly what what it is you're looking to do. It's I want to speak with someone at Career Contessa about the associate analyst position. Here's who I am, mm-hmm. Lauren McGoodwin or Marisol Salazar. It's short, it's sweet, it's to the point. Mm-hmm. I like the same when people do it for informational interviews. So I like the subject line to say informational interview request colon their name, just because I also feel like if you have the catchy subject line where you're pitching somebody an idea, I think like what you did where you give me the specific hook in it. But then the other times I like when people are straightforward, like I don't want it to be a surprise that inside the email, you want an informational interview. Does that make sense? Right, exactly. But yeah. Again, you, I like to envision my pitches as if I'm only working off of my email subject line. Yeah. Because it doesn't matter how great your body is inside your email. If you can't get the recipient of your email to click on your email, then you've completely lost them from the get-go. And it doesn't matter the beautiful prose or what a great idea that you have because it's never going to see the light of day. Yeah, no, it's true. Well, this actually is a good segue into your next tip. Tip number three is write concisely, so, which is, I think, hard for everybody. So, I mean, when you say write concisely, are you talking like no more than four sentences, a paragraph? What is, what is considered concise? Concisely is in the sense of, I like to think about it as let's not let the reader's eyes glaze over because they're exhausted by the yeah. length of your email. Again, it's all about stating your intentions as quickly, politely, and concisely as possible. So for example, you know, it's of course, always have a greeting. How are you doing? Hope you're having a great week so far because you never just want to jump into your ask. Yeah. Mine's always, uh, I hope this email finds you well. I know everybody has a joke about never in my life has an email found me well, but it's like, look, (laughs) we're, we're all playing the game. It's good to have at least one little intro. Please don't at me for that. <laughs> right, exactly. And you know what? There's nothing to be said about, you know, you know, kindness and politeness. So I Yeah, it's say, just like, like professional etiquette. I mean, nobody nobody's taking that overly seriously, but it's like you have to have that too. Absolutely. So I always like to say, okay, you have your greeting, you know, you've you've had your salutation, and then, you know, jump into your ask in the sense of, you know, and I'm actually, you know, for the folks here, I'm going to read a little bit of what I wrote to you, you know, I hope you had a lovely weekend. You know, I love career contestants in the female podcast, especially how you guys have pivoted into COVID-19 related coverage this season. You know, it's been absolutely wonderful and extremely helpful. And now you go to your ask, you know, I'm reaching out to gather your thoughts on a female podcast episode on the subject, how to write the perfect pitch for everything in your life. Could be job, networking, coffee chat with an industry muse, freelance story or gig. Now, this to me is one of the most important parts of your body, you know, and this might actually lead us into number four, Mm -hmm. but you know, it's again, it's offering, if you have your ask, if you're not exactly sure that this person is the right person that you should be speaking to say, Hey, are you the right person to speak to? Or could you point me in the right direction? 
Well, we should mention too, number four is demonstrate value. So let's put three and four together because number uh, tip number three is write concisely and number four is demonstrate value, which I, f- I feel like you're about to go into. Exactly. So, you know, after you've made your ask, you know, I am looking to talk about how to write the perfect pitch for... Yeah. Or I'm reaching out today to ask you for an informational interview. I'm reaching out today because I recently applied to XYZ job at your company, right? All those are all exactly. Okay. So number four, as a part of the body of your email is demonstrate value. And we touched upon this a little bit earlier in our conversation. You know, you're coming to your recipient with an ask. She or he is probably so busy. You know, the reason that you're reaching out to them is because they are an expert you know, or have authoritative subject matter in their particular realm. How are you going to demonstrate value and provide them with something that's mutually beneficial in return? The best pitches I find are mutually beneficial because you don't want to make it seem like, oh, I'm just asking, asking, asking. What is the value that you can provide them? How can you contribute to, you know, maybe their life, their team, like the greater thought process within their industry. Basically, you are asking this person for her time and for her insight. So what are you bringing to the table? Okay, it could be a technical skill or work certification, you know, for our folks that are working, you know, in traditional nine to five. And this used to be me too. I'm certified in Google Analytics. And I think it would help the team out in X, Y, and Z ways. Or, you know, I have networks and contacts in ABC industry, which might be valuable for your team to tap into. No matter what it is, never leave demonstrating value off the body of an email because this person will be like, wow, this person didn't take the time to show her value. By demonstrating your value, you're also demonstrating your skill and your technical talents or your qualitative talents too. Yeah. And I would just add, I would use the word value or relevance. So if you're reaching out for a job about a job or an informational interview, this is a time where it maybe it doesn't make sense to demonstrate your value. Like if you're asking someone for an informational interview, you're not going to try to trade them on your Google Analytics insight, right? You, you probably don't have enough information to, to say that quite yet. But this is where right. you would maybe say why it's relevant. You know, I'm reaching out today for an informational interview request. Here's what I'm doing right now. Here's why I want to talk to you and why I'm interested in the role that you do at your company. So this is the part where you could also, instead of, I guess the value you're demonstrating is the fact that there's commonalities or there's relevance here. And then of course, you know, try to demonstrate value in other ways. But I, I, I get what you're trying to say, which is, so just so you guys know, the body of the order, just so we're not getting confused, is sort of the, hi, how are you? I hope this email finds you well. This is a time where you could definitely say something that's recent. So like, thanks so much for your recent podcast episodes. Or I did this once with somebody where I said, oh, I saw that you wrote an article on Refinery29 the other day. It was fantastic. So anything you can say that just demonstrates that you did that research, write concisely. So introduce yourself, make your ask, and then demonstrate value or relevance. And then number five is be a super detective. What does that mean? Yes. So this also goes back to the do your research. So for a lot of your email pitches or your asks, you might be wondering, well, how do I even get the email of the person I want to talk to Yeah. without it being like an info at randomcompany.com? This is where you're super detective. You're going to tap into your inner Sherlock home and do some digging around for a specific email address. The more precise the email address, the better chance you will end up in front of the decision maker or the stakeholder you're trying to reach. So again, searching their social media profiles will definitely help. And make sure to follow them because that also shows that you have an established interest in them. 
what do you do if you can't find your recipient's specific email address? Something that I've done many times in the past is it's worth reaching out to a colleague of theirs on the team. Okay, you can't find Katie's specific email address, but I see from LinkedIn that Katie and Martha are on the same team. And there's Martha's email address, you know, listed in her Twitter bio. Let me reach out to Martha and see if she will ask me for help or point me in the right direction. You know, people are nice. You know, they want to help you if given the opportunity to do so. It's very rare that someone will be a gatekeeper and not point you in the right direction. Right. I also want to just point out the tip I always give people is do your best to get an actual email address, not sending it via a DM on Instagram or a LinkedIn message. The reason why I'm a little hesitant on the Instagram DMs, even though I've done it and had success with it, is that you never know how the other person feels. And I think this is especially important in corporate settings. I think entrepreneurs are different because their Instagram sort of is like the front door of their brand. But if I was reaching out for a job and somebody worked at a company, I wouldn't hunt down their personal Instagram and DM them. What I would do is see if you can figure out how the company sets up their email addresses or add the person as a connection on LinkedIn with a note. And once they accept it, hopefully they will, you can get their actual email address. So just, I think the rules are a little different when you are an entrepreneur or like you're pitching to a writer where the writer is, you know, public facing on Twitter and like wants that kind of stuff. So just use your best judgment. And if you need to err on the side of being overly professional and and, stay out of those DMs. Okay. So just a couple more. So timing, A-B testing and follow-up. So can we see if we can mention those three? So this is step six is all about timing. Seven is A-B testing and eight is follow-up. Yes. And in the interest of time for our conversation, timing is super important. You could have the best email subject line. You've got your recipient's email address, you got a great body of your email. If you don't send this amazing email pitch that you've got at the right time, right. it won't get seen either. So for yeah. example, There's so you know, many rules. I know guys. <laughs> I'm based on the East Coast and I know that Lauren was based on the West Coast and the career contested team is all Pacific Standard Time. So I knew that when I sent out my email that I wanted it to be hopefully one of the first things that she read in the morning. So I scheduled the email to be sent out. I think it was something, you know, either 7, 7.53 a.m., you know, to hit her inbox, you know, let's say three hours earlier because I wasn't sure how how early she got up. You know, you're a self-made woman, you're an entrepreneur. Maybe you're getting up at like five in the morning you know, Pacific Standard Time. So I wanted to make sure that it would be one of the first things that Lauren saw with your recipient. You know, maybe imagine yourself in her shoes and think about, okay, when is this person going to be really busy? I don't want to send this email Monday at lunchtime versus a Tuesday morning. And this can make all the difference. Yeah. So think about when your receiver might have some downtime to read your email, take into account their time zone. And also, why is your email timely now? Yeah. You know, what about your request is aligned with world events, company events, or something, you know, in your recipient's life. And again, this is why step one is so important because your recipient might be going through a really tough time right now with a lot of us are, and maybe they've publicly shared that on social media. So your email might come off as time as tone deaf given the timing. 
Right. I, so I don't have any like science to back this up, but my favorite time to send pitches and what I'll do is I'll schedule them. And because Google has that amazing feature where you can schedule send. I like to do things on Tuesdays because I feel like Mondays are everybody's like catch up day. They're really busy. And I also, and I agree, I kind of am also into like a late morning because I also feel like you wake up and you have so many emails in your inbox and then don't ever, please don't send pitches at like Friday at past two o'clock. I just, I feel like people, people definitely do the thing where they're like, I'm, I'll open that next week or when I'm in the office on Monday. And by then they'll have so much stuff that they'll probably forget about it. So AB testing, is that with subject lines or how, what's, how does that work? So, you know, in a past life, I mentioned I was a web analyst. So marketing and AB testing, you know, was what I did all the time. And I would A-B test absolutely every single component of my client's website. And I do that with emails too. So if you are also working in email marketing, you totally understand this, but it's easy enough for everybody to do. So your perfect pitch might not actually be perfect for everyone. So what I would like to do is A-B test my emails and my pitches to see what works and what doesn't work. You know, for example... Did that question mark, you know, did, did phrasing my subject line as a question mark get me more open than phrasing my subject line as a statement? You know, all things considered, let's say absolutely every single piece or word was the same, but the difference was the question mark. And the question mark subject line got 30% more opens and responses to my email than the non-question mark one. I know it sounds a little bit nerdy, but honestly, this makes all the difference, you know, and even with time, you know, back to the timing, did 8 a.m., you know, on Wednesday morning, get me more opens or responses than Thursday at 3 p.m. Yeah. So if you take a look into account all of these different variables and factors in your email, including the length, the timing, small things like exclamation points, all of these can actually make a difference in terms of the success of your email. And it's not whether, you know, your email pitch gets, you know, like, yes, I will take the coffee meeting, but I would like to phrase success as you got a response. Right. Whether it's a yes or a no, your email address or your email page got a response. Well, and one thing we didn't talk about when we were talking about how you write the body of your email and remember everybody, we're putting a link to this PDF that Maricel put together in the show notes so you can see her pitches. But I would say, don't forget to use bullet points and like bold the headers. If you're, you know, if you're writing something a little bit lengthy, just be really good about making it aesthetically pleasing and easy to understand. So bold headers, using bullet points, breaking things up into sections so it doesn't look really intimidating, the wordiness Mm -hmm. of it. And also with your A-B testing, you know, this is why you don't send 100 pitches at once. Maybe you start with like five and you just kind of gauge and then you kind of perfect your pitch over time. And the last tip, just with the A-B testing, I guess it's not really A-B testing, but please read your emails before you send the pitch. So many send... And I've done this too. We we all send them and it's like, you know, you, you wrote you instead of your or or something is misspelled, just remember this is a first impression. So please double check everything. Please make sure you spelled their name right. People hate that. I would suggest, and this is something that I adjusted my settings on my Gmail recently. So Gmail has this fabulous option where you can set your message recall or your undo for 5, 10, or 30 seconds. I highly suggest that you set it to the 30 second because you know, this is classic. You only ever notice your typos after you hit send. Yes. <laughs> What's the, so, there's like this meme. It's like, <laughs> I do my best proofreading after I hit send. <laughs> exactly. You know, and I, you, you just don't want any more like head slapping than you already have, especially if you, you know, you've spent so much great time on your research, your writing, 
you know, this is the last thing that you want to ruin your perfect pitch because, you know, it, all it takes is a single typo to not take, for someone to not take you seriously. It's true. Or, you know, an attachment that didn't actually get attached, those kind of things. Exactly. And also <laughs> I like to go back and reread my pitch to make sure that I don't have too many exclamation points, The just, you know, I'm just reaching out. Why do we don't need to say that? I also don't like right. to say, I'm sorry. So just go back and read it. I know you guys already know all these things because it's been all over the internet, but women, especially like the language that we use in our emails, we just have to be a little more careful with it. Okay. So tip number eight is the follow-up. I love this tip. So let's talk about this. And also the timing. So you send your, your amazing pitch that you work so hard mm-hmm. on. You've researched the person um, and you haven't heard back. When should you even consider a follow-up? Right. You know, I always say don't hit send and hope for the best. Follow up. There is no hard and fast rules as to when you should follow up. But depending on the time-sensitive nature of your message, around one to two weeks is a good rule of thumb. And, you know, this might differ depending upon your industry. So, you know, it takes into account a little bit of your own professional insight into determining that. But if it's extremely urgent, less than a week follow-up is okay in some cases. If it's extremely urgent for you, less than a week follow-up is not okay. It's only if it has something that would also really benefit your receiver too, because your follow-up again should always be about demonstrating value and relevance and timeliness. Your email is not someone's to-do list item. So I love the fact that you're pointing out that like, just because you have urgency and you want a response doesn't mean that they don't have other things that are much more important than your email. Exactly. Especially given, you know, these really interesting times that we're all in, you know, we're really focused about, you know, being and doing our best at work. And of course, we always want to help out others when we can. But if you as the sender also have to give the recipient the time and the bandwidth to help you out. So if you're emailing your recipient for a coffee chat or a virtual coffee chat, let's say a Zoom coffee chat right now, and you didn't do your background research to see like, oh, maybe she's, you know, really overwhelmed and busy, your email's going to go yeah. unread, despite if you follow up. So during your follow up is also another chance to check in on your recipient on social media or the news. You know, this will help provide a lot of context as to why or why not they may have not gotten back to you. Right. So you send your email two weeks ago and then you hop into their Twitter and you see like, hey, you know what, guys, I'm taking this sabbatical, not going to be, you know, following up on emails or et cetera. Right. There you go. So instead of being lost in the dark, you have, you know, your reason. As to, oh, okay, I haven't heard from Katie in a while. Now I see why. I'm going to set a reminder to myself to follow up with her in a couple more weeks, at least to check back in with her on social media to see what's up. Right. And always respond or reply to the same email thread that you were already on. So they have the paper trail. And I agree. I like the, you know, the follow up, you know, one or two weeks later, and then, you know, maybe give it one more try. But I think two follow ups max. I I don't think you get a a ton more than that unless they've uh, responded in between. And also, I just want to say something about the follow up, you guys, is that it is so, so important because there are plenty of times too where people will be like, oh, I totally forgot about that. I'm so happy you followed up. So don't ever feel annoying. Just don't be doing it You know, two days later. Give it some time. And I would say max two if you, if you don't hear anything. Every time you hear back from somebody, it's like the counter starts over. Exactly. And you know, Google and Gmail have really great notifications or like nudges is what they call them. And it'll automatically nudge you to say like, Hey, do you want to follow up on this email? What I like to personally do is I will put notification meetings in my calendar to be like, Hey, follow up with so-and-so yeah. because sometimes it's 
also just as easy to dismiss the Gmail notification in your inbox because it's clogging up your inbox. <laughs> no, I agree. If they, if they tell you to follow up to make sure that you do, because that's also a sign of just, you know, organization and follow through and it's very impressive. So, okay. So lastly, Maricel, cause we're, we're almost out of time. Can you just as a little bonus item, can you share like a terrible email pitch you got and maybe just like the subject line? Oh my goodness. Yes. So one of them was actually that I uh, referenced earlier on during our, our conversation. And this came in to me the other day. It's accepting pitches for wine or ice cream, question mark. Hi, Marissa. So oh, she, got yeah. my, <laughs> she got my name wrong from the get-go. And it's, it's appalling to me how many times I get called Marissa or Maria. And knowing that we had this conversation going up, I clicked on accepting pitches for wine or ice cream. because I was like, wow, this is great. She clearly didn't do her research on me. Yeah. Hi, Marissa. In my talks right now, it just says uh, the subject line is a pitch for career contessa. So those are <laughs> those are not. You guys don't want to do those. All right. Well, Marisol, thank you so much. I just want to recap your tips for how to write the perfect pitch for anything in your life. Number one, do your research. Number two, craft a catchy subject line. Number three, write concisely. Number four is demonstrate value and or relevance. Number five, be a super detective. Number six, timing seven, A-B testing, and number eight is follow-up. And you guys, Marisol is also giving away a 30-minute personal pitch session to one lucky winner. So that means that she will personally edit your pitch or help you write one and review the winner's pitch or really any other questions you have during your 30-minute session, which is incredible because I think right now a lot of us are thinking about pitches and how we can get things actually seen. So to enter this giveaway, all you have to do is leave a review on iTunes for the females and describe what you loved most about Maricel's episode. It doesn't have to be super long, you guys. Just go to iTunes, click on the females, leave a review on Maricel's episode. And then at the very end of your review, leave your Instagram handle or I guess, or Twitter handle. We'll take either one so that we can contact the winner by May 30th, 2020. So one more time to enter for a chance to win a 30 minute personal pitch coaching session with Marisol, just go to the females on iTunes, write a review. And in your review, make sure that you talk about you know what you learned from this episode and then leave your either Instagram handle or your Twitter handle. And we will pick a winner by May 30th. Thank you, Marisol, so much for joining us. This has been incredibly insightful and very... Thank you. Thank you for listening to this special bonus episode of The Females. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and leave us a review. We've also linked to a free downloadable resource called Master Your Personal Pitch, which teaches you how to create your elevator pitch included in the show notes. I also included Maricel's free PDF where she included her actual pitch templates. So don't forget to grab those as well. And a big thank you to Maricel Salazar for teaching us how to write the perfect pitch. If you want to learn more about Maricel and pitch her, of course, we've linked to her website and Instagram in the show notes. And don't forget to enter the giveaway by leaving a review on iTunes.